Welcome to Happy Times and Places, positively inclined Doctor Who commentary podcast with, for this episode only, temporary opening and closing titles for patrons only, as I've got COVID and the episode has been recorded, but I can't do these bits on my normal machinery. Hello, Toby Hayden. Uh, my name's Chris Chapman, and I what do I do? I make documentaries for the Doctor Who range for the Blu-ray collections at the moment and the DVDs before that. Uh, I'm recording for you some things about a Doctor Who story called The Seeds of Doom. Well, hello everybody. Welcome to my well, it's not a green cathedral. It's a, it's a grey hut. No, it's, it's not quite a hut, but uh, certainly no cathedral. And it's not grey. It's elephant's breath because uh, my house is festooned in farrow and ball uh, because I was rather taken. We like well, because we're terribly middle class, and uh, uh, elephant's breath basically means light grey. Um, but it did mean that I then wrote a play for Radio Four. Where somebody was doing their house up and uh they had uh, what was it peacock peacocks yawn and angry hedge i had quite a lot of fun making up <laughs> the names uh, but but a name for a paint could be green cathedral i like that uh, uh after after harrison chase's uh uh vertiginous abode right um i hello it's toby haydock here that's uh chris chapman uh, producer and director extraordinaire of uh, well things like Country File, but also important things like Doctor Who DVD extras, including Looking for Peter and the Doctor Who Cookbook Revisited, and Looking for oh that one hasn't been announced yet, and the making of oh that one hasn't been announced yet. So there's certainly a couple I know about uh, that are in the can, and I'm in there with them. So uh, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> You can't, you aren't getting rid of me that easily. Obviously, Chris only has uh, one presenter's phone number on his phone, and uh, so that means uh, uh, you're lumbered with me. But um, you've come here by choice, so you've only got yourselves to blame as we watch uh, the next instalment of our classic Doctor Who story. Not necessarily a typical Doctor Who story. As I say, there are people who think it's a bit Avengers-y, some people who say you can't be a proper Doctor Who fan if you're, it's your favourite story. <laughs> you can be a proper Doctor Who fan however you want. Um, uh, I mean, I do jokes about saying, uh, uh, you know, you may think you're a Doctor Who fan, but if you don't know who directed Creature from the Pit, you're just someone with a telly. But uh, that's sort of turning the tables on my own ridiculousness. Whereas if, if you say, because somebody's taste is different from mine... Uh, they're, they're not a proper Doctor Who fan, then I think you're an oaf. Um, <laughs> I don't really. I don't care enough. But uh, anyway, it, uh, it, it amuses me. So listen, uh, enjoy Doctor Who however you want. Uh, and uh, I hope you enjoy The Seeds of Death, um, like what I do. So, no, The Seeds of Death. You see, I'm not a proper Doctor Who fan. I can't even tell my dooms from my deaths. <laughs> That'll teach me to settled minor irks that have been that have been prompted by things things that i've vaguely heard a stranger's written once <laughs> anyway uh <laughs> the seeds of doom episode three i am on Britbox, although i had to but yeah but by the way note to the makers of Britbox: if somebody largely watches doctor who don't then make them really look for it next time they come on to Britbox. i ain't gonna be watching grange hill i'm sorry I do quite like the episode where the Castellan gets punched by Bullet Baxter. Anyway, um, uh, no, no disrespect, I like Grange I think Grange Hill is wonderful, but uh, I come to Britbox from a who fix, um, even though I've got them all on DVD and in some cases Blu-ray as well. Anyway, let us get on with... Uh, the only thing that's holding us up is me. Why am I doing such a long prologue? I've no idea. Um, it's the Seeds of Death. No, the Seeds of Doom. Fuck God. Oh dear, uh, I think I've obviously my brain has been frozen in the Antarctic or Arctic, um, uh, and we're gonna press, we're gonna press, we're gonna press whatever it is you press in, th just so we can fail to sync up the episodes in three, two, one, go. 
Oh, so yes, this is beautiful. And I had this on a Scotch VHS tape after Claws of Axos. And this was the last episode on the tape because you only had seven. And then I would have to swap the tape over. Uh, and it, then it was episodes four to six and then the Time Warrior. But they were all very good quality. Uh, I think they'd all... Uh, no, these had come... Seeds had come from super channel but uh, the pert wizard come from abc australia but they were very very good quality i was very lucky uh with these particular stories in my bootlegging days uh we start with a brilliant model shot i was sad that um it's richard is it richard conway who does the special effects uh whose death went sort of largely unremarked is he was actually just mentioned recently in a in an article by uh, Sarah Polly, an excellent article uh, about her experiences of working on uh, uh, Baron Munchausen as a as a youngster, and you know the danger she felt she'd been put in by by Terry Gilliam, and and the fact that she worked with Richard Conway on a film many years later, and he sort of came up to her with tears in his eyes and apologised. He comes out of the article very very well, um, but. Uh, yeah, I think he he uh, he's, he does some great work on Doctor Who. I'm worried now that he didn't actually work on this. Uh, Doctor Chester, Ian Fairbairn, um, who was an eccentric fellow. I met him once doing something for Ian Levine, actually. So I, I chatted to him in Ian Levine's garden. Uh, and he was very nice. He was, a, he was an eccentric fellow. I think he made his own clothes. Um, uh... But he's uh, a good servant to Doctor Who under... You, you barely see him here, but he's um, he's Gregory in The Invasion and he's uh, Bromley in Inferno. Uh, his best part's probably The Invasion, but he's a, he's a Douglas Camfield regular. But he was also in Time Slip, wasn't he? He had quite a decent part in Time Slip. Um, and was also one of the voices in Nigel Neal's The Road. Not credited, it was sort of... Uh, you know, just a, a, a sort of session with the radio, and 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 uh, and hung on to the to the little script asides from 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 that day, which was very useful for me when I was uh, I was I was allowed to see them. Um, they were they were passed over to me um, uh, when I was doing my radio version. Um, I didn't really know Ian Fairburn very well, but I know people who did who said he was lovely. Um, so here we are, and the store is uh, motoring through. So uh, they, they've 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 got back very quickly, but that's fine. The story rattles along. There's actually no no real problem with the pacing of uh, of of this story. Um, oh, no, I, I love that uh, that he's about to say oh, I could have I might have had two pods. Um, do you know what? Well, I think when I first saw this, it never occurred to me that Harrison Chase was camp but he is isn't he uh, I never sort of really noticed that Doctor Who was camp um, I, I, I don't think of it as a I know it's I'm probably it's a blindness I might have I think Doctor Who's terribly serious <laughs> and quite funny but I, you know it, uh, um, anyway let's not get it I am I am no expert on camp as we as I've probably just blatantly laid out um I, I love all of this stuff, uh, you know, men shouting at each other. It's it's the sort of drama I was brought up on. Um, yes, I, and, I, and I like uh, Chase's, Chase's sort of reposter Dunbar's conscience, you know, keep your stiff upper lip. Um, and, of course, the, the doctor and assistant are still alive. Excellent. And look at Camfield's excellent placing of his of his four actors there. Um and I don't. I remember from the book. I couldn't. Didn't quite have it. Have an image of what <laughs> Harrison Chase looked like. But we'll get to that. Tom Baker entering the scene with a chair on his head and this, this sort of febrile, this, this, this sort of simmering fury that he's got. He's he's come back from the the uh, Antarctic. Um, the, the Arctic, Antarctic. I'm going to commit to Antarctic. It's this one of the snowy ones at the end of the world, at the bottom or top of the world. Um, uh, and and look at the baker simmering behind, which is great because it, it <laughs> uh, and it, and it lets Sarah sort of take the lead for a moment while he's because he hasn't because not only is he furious that he's nearly been killed and that there's this seed pod being disseminated. Uh, 
he's he's now having to explain it to civil servants <laughs> and, and he's you know if, if 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 the doctor is has no patience with alien invasion he has even less patience uh with uh, you know Briti- british um p- p- bureaucrats <laughs> oh money yeah. but look I, I mean again i always think of tom baker when i was a kid of being Sort of, sort of funny, but he has this wonderful alien fierceness, which doesn't s- stop him from being likable. It's, it, it, and it helps with the alienness. I mean, even your pension, and that's because he's he understands the world. It's not that he's, you know, he, unlike I think what Matt Smith does brilliantly, who really does seem like an alien because he doesn't know what wine gums are and things like. I love all of that. Um, but but this you know this this doctor has lived amongst us, so he knows our sort of strengths and weaknesses and things like that, and and our and our piffling little annoyances that he has to brush sweep aside in order to get to the important stuff, like people having pensions, um, uh, and isn't that outside? That's outside. BBC, was that outside BBC Television Centre? Is it the the exterior of the World Ecology Bureau? Uh, nice car. Uh, but of course, you know you're going to be in trouble because the chauffeur is played by Chuntsy, Alan Chunts. Uh, I was sad to discover Alan Chunts had died just before we did the uh, commentary for Ambassadors of Death because we wanted a stunt person heavy uh, commentary. Uh, and uh, Alan Chunts is one of those people that did loads of Doctor Who's, uh, never given an interview uh, so it's like, oh great, there's an opportunity to get him. And Steve Bruster, who was the producer, said, oh, I, I you know, I rang the number we had, and the family said he he died recently. So that was a that was a shame. He, he uh, all his stuntman mates say, he look, he looks a bit like Charles Aznavour, uh, which is which is very true. And I think he did play him in a thing, or played a Charles Aznavour lookalike in a thing. But this is this is great. They've just got this location for this very uh, short scene uh, short sequence which looks slightly odd and uh, that 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 profile of uh, of of alan chan's there on the uh you know against that sort of gray sky um is is slightly blasted out on, on his face because it's on on videotape um which i think makes it easier to do and and actually camfield shoots it so well you can't tell as much as you can on some other Doctor Who's where the I think the outside videotape I know some people like it because it blends better with the uh, the studio stuff I just like the look of film better but actually Camfield shoots this really well that you don't you don't actually notice um, in fact I was going to go for a second there hang on is this is this bit film but it's not it's not um, ah the uh, common snake said flotillary picture by Amelia Ducar, he says duck it, doesn't he? Which again is very funny. Uh, it's just again finding t- t- tiny little bits to just keep it interesting. Amelia Ducar, yeah, very good. Um, and here she is, and in and in the book, I think this is all she does because uh, the book is a sort of truncated version. So I was hugely sup- surprised. Um, when when she turns up later on, but well, I'm sure we'll talk about that then. Tom Baker, of course, being charming with an old lady, uh, <laughs> and Sylvia Coleridge is a delight and one of the few smokers in Classic Who, but she can get away with it. A car boot. <laughs> the car is immaterial. <laughs> and it's interesting, isn't it, how they um. How they how how they're perfectly honest with Miss Ducar. They don't sort of soft soap go. No, we need to know who, uh, whose car it is because um, we we need to trace something. We'll have to have our wallet in there. No, no. Uh, we live in a world where if if we try to, if if a chauffeur tries to kill us, we'll tell an old lady. Um, this is very silly, but it's but, but it's funny. <laughs> and Tom Baker is so good in this story. Now, this just seems like a joke. He never paid me, but it comes in useful later. And as I say, that, that, that I, I had thought when I first watched this that this was going to be the last I saw of Amelia Ducar because I'm pretty sure that's all she does in the book. Um, I mean, I haven't read it. I remember, God, I was in Form 5. 
I remember, I remember reading it for the first time. Oh, which is, which must be 40 years ago. My God, where does the time go? Um, very good work here from Mark Jones. He's got a lovely quality to him, but I've already nominated him, haven't I? I think this is a flawless cast. Um, uh, and Oh, well done. Did he just click his fingers in leather gloves? That's that's hard. The master does it in Terror of the Autons, but he does it on film, where I'm sure you can dub it in later. Um, it's a good job his chauffeur is actually a thug. Um, I mean, it's, it's quite an interesting setup, isn't it? That he's this millionaire plant collector, but he also has a private army who have guns. Are you allowed to do that? Um, are you allowed to have... And and even his driver is somebody who, if required, can knock, knock somebody out. I, I suppose it could be that it was somebody who stood in. It was a hired thug who... No, because he says it's your chauffeur. Well, OK, why not? Uh, lots of... I, I mean, there are people who have... Uh, uh, you know, um, uh, sort of fairly handy uh, factotums, don't they? Uh, who can turn themselves to, to to violence if required? Um, perhaps that's what I need. I need a, hand, a handy violent factor. What a wonderful chauffeur! He's so violent. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful uh, house. This and 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 the grounds are everything. It, you know, it, it's it. it, it and, and, and of course, that gate and those walls, it, it it really is now a sort of enclosed world that they're in. But it's one where they've got space to run around and do lots of things outside. So it's a great it's a great location. Um, and but. Oh, and it's got all of all of this, you know, plant life and everything outside, which is great. Well, of course it does. It's outside, idiot. What am I saying? Um I like uh, they've got such a great rapport these two. Um, oh, is this the bit where he, where he, s squelches? Oh no, that's a bit later. Um, ah, uh, one of these guards is Harry Fielder H. Uh, oh, is this where the, we own the place? <laughs> uh, just <laughs> why not? <laughs> Can I? Uh, just that natural. <laughs> I mean, are you are you allowed to to shoot people because they're in your garden? Um, I don't know, but it kind of because because the sort of civil servant world is quite well done and well drawn and and, and, and believable. Although you know they they are doing sort of you know Michael Barrington's doing uh, sort of stuffy civil servant acting, but that's what you want really. Um, it's great all of this stuff, especially because these there's all this all these plants come alive later it's an excellent location it's a real boon to the story actually um oh yes because I, I i swear when i saw this i i heard his necks i heard oh no is it i heard his neck squelch there's a bit there's a bit in a minute isn't there where he where he twists <laughs> it's it, it, okay it's not now but it, it is a bit later where he's he twists uh john chalice's head and you hear his neck squelch it's horrible uh, so there's Ari H Fielder at the door and Pat Gorman the two mightiest of all the Doctor Who supporting artists um, both sadly no longer with us I had the pleasure of uh, of meeting H uh, is that Pat but that's definitely H um, uh, with with the with the footballers perm and these two gentlemen <laughs> Uh, that's great because he has that frivolous sort of I'm gonna I'm gonna puncture the danger of the situation, but once the gun is shoved in the back of his head, he's like, right, give me the pod. This is you know, I mean business. Uh, and Ch Chase is a really interesting villain. As I say, I when I had the book, I didn't I couldn't quite. I think there's a description of him, maybe having big eyes, but but I I I couldn't imagine what he looked like and I didn't I didn't think I knew Tony Beckley although I had seen the Italian job but I don't think I'd put two and two together um, uh, but he's a he's a he's a he's a he's a perfect piece of casting um, 
will be my beautiful plants. <laughs> and, you know, it's a great idea for a Doctor Who villain. Oh, Baker's so good. Um, it's a great idea for a Doctor Who villain. One for whom, you know, it's a great one-line tagline, isn't it? You know, the, 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 the baddie thinks uh, plants are more important than people or animals. Um, good, good way of getting rid of the chauffeur outfit there, Tom, by putting it on Harry Fielder's gun. Uh, uh, and <laughs> this is ridiculous that's a good line and this is all sort of important stuff you you i mean you, like scooby here yeah, that's a great joke <laughs> It's great um, because I mean you could probably lose some of this stuff, but it's all such good quality that you don't you don't want to. Um, and he's got a butler. Harrison Chase has got a butler. Of course he has. You love that. Um, so this makes it very Doctor Who to me. You know that that, that the villain is is a it, you know it, instead of your Yeti on your Lewin. Tooting Beck, it's a man in a house full of plants with an organ and a butler. That's a great shot of uh, uh, with uh, John Chalice's leg and you know gun casually by his side, uh, and that that you know they're all in on the fact that they're indulging their their mad boss who's playing his who's playing his organ or whatever this is, <laughs> and it's played complete. Look, he's he's he, he's got that slightly sort of camp affrontery hasn't he um but deadly seriousness he's not giving it sort of wild-eyed i'm the crazy plant guy he's deadly serious and <laughs> the music's terrible <laughs> it's it's wonderful uh, and he ha and he has a sort of slightly testy dignity that he has about him <laughs> Um, no, he's glorious, and his ties deserve a special mention as well. Uh, and Elizabeth Sladen's look on her face, going, "This bloke is absolutely batty. <laughs> he's as mad as a box of petunias." Um, <laughs> and Hargreaves has heard it all before. <laughs> Seymour Green, a uh, Seymour Green playing Hargreaves. Do you think he was cast because he's got the right name? <laughs> um, why are you shouting? I love that. It's so funny, but it's but it's it's believable. It's not. None of it's a send up. Um, but yes, ch I, I, yeah, I really like Tony Beckley because Chase is mad as a hatter but he he ref and, and he is camp but he doesn't camp it up it's not a batman sort of performance um he you know he's he, he i don't know i'm not explaining it correctly but he because it is slightly larger than life and it is a bit camp and yet it's totally committed um it's it's not a send-up at all um you know it's got a it's it's got a focused sight psychoticness about it that's rather beautiful oh this is where this is where he squelches he does he squelches uh john chalice's death this is brilliant brilliant doctor duck out of the way that's that's yeah well done sarah kick the gun uh that's all very well done oh but that's horrible loud snap it says in the subtitles oh squelch 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 i think you could probably kill somebody doing that uh, so I'm not sure I approve, but I remember when I first saw it, you know, wow, this is, because I was a kid when I saw this, you know, what, as I was 14, 15, you know, wow, this is Doctor Who, as it should be. Um, oh, and the sun's breaking through, look at them, you've got 2p, I mean, it's 2p seemed cheap for a phone call when I watched this when I was, however old I was, um, inflation, you see, um, yeah, it's definitely Harry and, Harry and Pat. Uh, there, um, although the studio stuff was done at a totally different point, but excellent guard continuity. Um, yeah, so this is, I mean, well, we are straight into it. Oh, well, we've got back from the Antarctic and now they're, they're sort of, you know, they're in the thick of Harrison Chase's place. There wasn't too much time wasted 
spread out you idiots uh, you know work working out who Harrison Chase was or anything like that um, does means there's a bit of sort of escape capture escape in in this but it's all so well done Douglas Camfield really knows how to keep the pace going and keep the tone of everything so spot on um, and yes I suppose you know that the mad plant man and the batty old lady and the butler is is sort of reminiscent of the Avengers I'm not a huge I mean I've, I've, I've seen plenty of Avengers but not not to the extent that I can um, identify you know particular episodes I mean I know Andre Morelli's death in death and at bargain prices, which also has John Cater from the War Machines in it. Um, I know there's one where Bernard Cribbins says that his 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 group of knitters are knitting a bungalow, which I just remember thinking is terribly funny. God Godfrey Quigley's in the first episode. Um, Harold Chorley uh, is 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 a temporary Avenger with uh, 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 Patrick Minnie after after Ian Hendry's left. Anyway, if you know more than me about the Avengers, you're now going, oh, come on, this is Avengers 101. And if you know less, you're going, why are you talking about the Avengers? Uh, oh, yes, I'm talking about the proper Avengers, by the way, the bowler-hatted ones, not the, not the spandex ones. Sorry, modern young people. Um, but why am I talking about the Avengers? Because, the, the, yes, I can see why people might say that, that Robert Banks Stewart is is a bit unfamiliar with Doctor and has written something that's a bit more Avengersy, but I I don't mind that and and the presence of Camfield, um, and again talking you're a dead little girl. It's just that it's just that slight nastiness in 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 the dialogue and in in you know the, to give to give us a, a small character David Masterman as the guard leader here he's apparently still enjoying acting abroad wherever he is now Greece or Spain or somewhere I've I've never had the pleasure but uh, I was I was asking after him recently and going did anybody ever find him because uh, he's never been interviewed but yep yeah, still about um uh not didn't do any other doctor who's or anything um and Harry Field are lurking behind him there is a much more recognisable Doctor Who face. Um, uh, so you grabbing her face, you see, it's it's quite it's quite vicious, and I, I I don't I don't remember the Avengers having that kind of. So it's like it's sort of like the Sweeney and the Avengers have had a baby, uh, uh, but um, it's uh, that's been ab- adopted by Doctor Who. That's that's what the Seeds of Doom is. Um, and that, that this 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 is this must be a, a very tiny set because it's it's hardly used, is it? I wonder if it's even something redressed. But uh, Doctor T- Tom Baker's Doctor is so capable, you know. He charges about and he you know gets in the right position and he's he's physical, he's capable. You could imagine him, you know, climbing a wall with no problem. Um, but 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 yeah. So so I I understand. I know I know some people who consider this sort of to be not not proper Doctor Who. I, but, I mean, I... Yeah, I mean, I, I can see where you may think it's atypical, but it, in lots of other areas, it's it's completely typical and done slightly better. So I'm afraid um, I, I don't make those connections, or I don't care to make those connections as strongly because I think it, it, it sits perfectly well within Doctor Who. Uh, you know, it's got believable villains, a, a, a slightly arch villain with a mad scheme, a, a brilliant monster idea, um, a brilliant dynamic between the Doctor and his companion, who I think are wonderful in this. And this cliffhanger. I must know what happens when the crinoid touches human flesh. I just adore. Uh, and you kind of know, presumably, the Doctor's going to jump in, but it doesn't matter because it's done so well. Oh, and I'm so pleased that these credits aren't going to shrink uh, like they did on my original uh, copy, which always made me sad. Always at about this point, they shrunk into the middle of Super Channel, and I was—I could, you could still read them because, of course, they go at a reasonable speed and uh, are in big letters. Um, so everything was better back then, even when it was bad. Ah, <laughs> uh, Ian, Ian Fairbairn, he was a nice fella. Um, so, so, and the mighty Graham Harper... Uh, production assistant um, Richard Con- it was Richard Conway I was right thank goodness thank goodness I don't have to do and I think you'll find Roger Murray Leach excellent see yeah Holmes Murray Leach Hinchcliffe Camfield I mean you can't say that's not typical Doctor Who that's 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 
you know typical of this era uh, you know that's a that's a lineup that that's a lineup to conjure um and uh a music by dudley simpson as well um oh it's good i love this i think it's good i mean not an awful I, I found myself not having an awful lot to say during much of that i mean by my own standards uh but i thoroughly enjoyed that and, and again it just reminds me of sitting in front of a open fire darkness outside a bit cold and snowy basking in the heat of a crackling burning fire the atmosphere and just and, and thinking you know or how how exciting and how tense and how grown up um and how funny the doctor is but also how dark and dangerous he is and you know quite fierce uh splenetic the word um but I think my favourite bit of that, I mean, Harrison, Ch- Tony Beckley is glorious. But I mean, I could just go through these episodes. I did Mark Jones last week. I could do Tony Beckley this week. I could do Kenneth Gilbert next week. I could do John Chalice the week after. I mean, it is, uh, 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 or Sylvia Coleridge. It is such a good cast. Um, do I choose Harrison Chase now? Because, because I think... Chris will. Now I think I'm going to choose the. I do like the scene with. I do like the scene with the mad music. <laughs> um, simply because I think Tony Beckley judges it so right. He could play it for laughs, and he doesn't. He plays it for for real, but bat <laughs> bonkers real. Uh, I'm gonna go for. The cliffhanger. I love the. I love that line. I must know what happens when the crinoid touches human flesh. It's a gorgeous line. It's a Doctor Who cliffhanger line to die for. But everything at the way that Keeler goes, oh no, and he says, strap her down. The Doctor looking from above. Um, the hot, Sarah Elizabeth Sladen's brilliant reaction. Oh, she is. Isn't she great? Isn't she pitch perfect? Just adding every little nuance that she needs to but it's not overacted she's just doing that thing that good actors do that you don't need to do as much today with modern editing and and the fact that you can sort of choose reaction shots from elsewhere and plop them in and that happens all the time but here when it's you know essentially played through as as one take and it's vision mixed rather than you know um you know done in the in the in the cutting room um you need actors to just, you know, pepper pepper the scenes with little bits of humanity or um, little differences in dynamic and drive. And she's so good at that. Um, but it's that cliffhanger. Um, oh, I wonder if Chris is... I've probably shut down, shut down my computer since I... Uh, oh, in fact, I know I have because... Uh, because, uh, and this is where we get to the interesting stuff, my battery was, it was turning off, at, but I still had 30% of battery, so I had to take it to the Apple people, and they had to, they had to mend it, um, uh, which they did very well. Um, so now I just have to find Chris. So, um, Chris Chapman, has he chosen the cliffhanger for episode three, which is what I have chosen? So episode three, uh, as as you all know, uh, shifts the action back to England, and it, it almost becomes a different genre of story. Really, I, part of me wishes I could have another episode in the in the in the ice base, and one less episode in uh, back in England, because uh, I love the ice stuff so much. But episode three is the transitional episode where there's a lot of you know we uh, the Doctor and Sarah survive, they're helicoptered back. Um, and uh, they are at one point kidnapped by a chauffeur who uh, uh, Tom beats up. There's quite a lot of kind of uh, undoctory kind of punching people moments. I think this is the episode with the snapping neck as well uh, from Tom, which is all, which, you know, in fairness, Pertwee was beating people up for years before this. So I know people sometimes dismiss the story because he's not acting in a particularly doctory way. I think apart from the violence, he's incredibly doctory. And, you know, and I'd argue the violence is there to protect his best friend. So 
I don't think it's needless. I don't think it's uh, uh, silly or anything. Uh, but in terms of my favourite bit from episode three, I think I might chill, uh, distill it down to a line, actually. And, I mean, what this episode does very well is... Uh, it, it more establishes, I think, Harrison Chase and what he's after. Uh, it obviously has Amelia Ducar or Duckett uh, in the long line of kind of cuddly old Doctor Who ladies with with steel, elderly lady with 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 a steely personality. I I can imagine you might go for Duckett. I think you might go for Duckett, and I love Duckett, um, but I probably don't love him as much as some people. And so I instead I will go for. Uh, a singular line that I used uh, as archive in when we did our uh, our Sarah Jane uh, Liz Sladen tribute for the Blu-ray range, which is the Doctor saying, "Have you met Miss Smith? She's my best friend." So there's a common theme in my love of Caesar Doom. Maybe it's that connection between the two of them. But have you met Miss Smith? She's my best friend. Big pearly white grin, uh, doing that in the face of uh, of your enemy. Uh, is is one of the things I love, I love the best of that. Oh, I forgot to mention something in episode two. The other amazing thing in episode two is the bit when Scorby says turn around and the doctor goes 360. I love that bit. Love that bit. Anyway, uh, episode three. Have you met Miss Miss Smith? She's my best friend. That is my favorite bit. You've also got lovely bits of business like the bit when they're skulking, sneaking around the uh, stately home. And Tom Tom does a kind of just act naturally, and then sprints off, leaving Sarah in his dust, which I really like. And 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 Chase gets his wonderful. I mean, number two in episode three for me would be when Chase does his proper organ. Uh, I could play all day in my green cathedral kind of bit, and that wonderfully mad orchestral <laughs> symphony that he plays to his plants. You know, that's a proper. Uh, I know that's quite an Avengers kind of moment, but that's I I do love that as well. And Tony Beckley is is great fun. Uh, you know, some people say the best classic series, Human Villain. And I think they might have a point. Ah, oh, Chris brings up a lot of things there. Yes, uh, the mention of episode two is turnaround. <laughs> he does the 360 facing this way. I love that whole scene. Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart had perfect pitch. But that was episode two. Episode three. Oh, that's the problem with this format. I was gassing on. Uh, when uh, the Doctor said, this is Miss Smith, she's my best friend. I love the simplicity of that. I love how that explains the Doctor's uh, relationship with Sarah. I think it's so beautiful and concise, but but told in a way that children completely understand as well. But it's so charming. Uh, Again, amidst all this violence and madness and and very straight and and at times, you know, quite grown-up, um, stuff. Chris mentions the point of the Doctor's violence, which is, I guess it's a matter of taste, isn't it? Because this story is to my taste, I quite like the muscular Doctor in it. Um, I think what Pertwee does is truer to Doctor Who in that he has, um, uh, uh, you know, it's space violence, you know, it's Venusian Aikido, so it, so it means... Uh, w- 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 you know, he does stuff that doesn't look like a punch in the face or an elbow in the nuts or whatever. Um, and, and, and it's slightly silly and rather charming. And Pertwee takes it so terribly seriously. And you sort of know that he probably did in real life. And you you kind of love all of that. But I quite like the sort of gutsy Tom, because Tom Baker is so big. Um, and, and, and I like him in Deadly Assassin for that when he's, you know, when he's, tussling with uh you know when he's tearing his trouser leg open and injecting him uh oh no it's it's Bernard Horsfall injects himself but it, where is uh but yeah where's he, 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 he ties up a wound doesn't he and he and, and falling out of a tree and he's you, p- um, making a blowpipe out of a uh a reed you know and he's p- spitting and he's gutsy and he's in the sawdust and he's you know and he's just quite you know phlegmatic about it he's i i i i i like i I think because tom baker does it so well and because he's so naturally eccentric the rest of the time it kind of it's it's kind of an ever-present counterpoint to that but i i totally respect the opinion of people who say but i don't expect my doctor to I mean, I was talking about the, the location, wasn't I? And, and about the, the particular stuntman it was. Um, 
when yeah Tom Baker smacks a bloke in the face um and yeah I mean I, I did mention the worry about the, the the neck squelch so yeah I completely respect anybody that might go this is a little bit violent for me it's a little bit knuckle crunchy for me um but I think because I love everything else about the story and because it fits with the tone of this particular story I kind of accept it would I in a story I like less I probably wouldn't I mean I I'm the first to hold my hands up and go I'm a massive hypocrite in terms of what my my taste is and what I allow performers I like to get away with or writers I like to get away with or or, or whatever um but I, and yeah, all right. So I am. I think we. But I think I think we'd all be more honest if 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 we admitted to the fact that we all sort of are. Um. Uh. I, and you know, I'm not in a court of law. I don't have to be consistent. I like what I like. I'm just trying to rationalise it here because, um, I, otherwise I'd just say I like it, and it would be a short podcast. Um. And I think. And I, I mean, I, I was slightly annoyed with myself as we started this because I was, you know, settling a petty internet score. I wasn't really because nobody said nobody said to me, "You're not a proper Doctor Who fan if you like the Seed to do." I've just got a vague inkling that I picked it up somewhere, um, and it's different from somebody saying, "I don't like the Seeds of Doom." I think that's fine. I think I bristle at the idea that anybody in a sort of position of of, um, you know, I think if you're writing something. Um, or if you're broadcasting and you go, my position, my personal taste on this, which is all this is, no matter how we try and rationalise it. And of course, I'll try and give evidence as to why I think a story is better than another. But to then conclude my case and go, and if you disagree and prefer a different Doctor Who story to the ones I prefer, you are you you have you have failed uh, to qualify uh, in 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 uh, to, to you 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 have not won your Doctor Who fan badge. I I have no patience for that at all because there's no there's no elite uh, when it comes to um, you know do, Doctor Who and understanding Doctor Who because it's such a personal thing and our understanding is based on so many different stimuli. I think I was in the right place to read. I, I, I remember I, at school, our school was such a daunting place and I had to find comfort in the target books and I remember particularly enjoying this one at a particularly at a, at a time of particular change when I was in form five that was a bit of a that was a bit of a shift because I, I can't remember the details now but I shouldn't have quite been there I was I was too young for that class but they couldn't I, something had happened whereas I, I had to be there and I shouldn't have been so that was my comfort there and then that open fire and the, the particularly good quality ones and the scotch tapes and I put I put letraset on, on I didn't write on the labels I letraseted the labels and I did a really good job so I was really pleased with them and although I was annoyed that I'd got seeds of doom in the middle of two pertwees because I'd at least because it was supposed to be frontier in space so I'd got the sort of span of the pertwee era but it, it didn't matter because they were all good quality and, and and I liked those tapes and I liked how I'd done them um and they were they were all three stories claws of axos seeds of doom time warrior that that actually were pretty close to what i'd expected and hoped um compared to some which had been crushing disappointments based on my imaginations from from the target novels so there's all sorts of different things that are that are particular and bespoke to me i completely understand that 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 makes me respond so well to the story. I also think it's excellent quality. I think the acting is superb. I think the writing is superb. I think the direction is superb. I'm I'm a big fan of the Hinchcliffe Holmes era and the and the quality of the productions and the rigorousness of the productions and the muscularity of the storytelling and the tone of the productions. But I can equally understand why people who love the sort of slightly arch frivolity of uh, of of season seventeen or the 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 more sort of comic booky zaniness of, uh, of of the McCoy era, or the the uh, the the slightly um, uh, you know the the weird esoteric sixty stuff. I understand why other stuff is to to, to to different people's tastes. So I would never. Pre I think I just. I don't. I'm fairly easygoing. I think. Am I? I don't know. No. Um, I'm trying to justify why I started this in such a sort of. Because it doesn't bother. It shouldn't matter to, to people. Are people can do what they like, and I, I've got no right to um, criticize or or claim superiority. But I I I think it's just that I I've got a whiff somewhere of of 
of there being a suggestion that if you like the Seeds of Doom, you're not a proper Doctor Who fan, which I think is just such a ludicrous thing to say and such a lofty position to take. Uh, and I would I would never dream of doing such a thing, and I, I don't have much patience for, for people who do. I You, like, you know, being... Being a proper Doctor Who fan is is not is not something I aspire to be. I do you know what I mean? I don't see any hierarchy within the world of Doctor Who fandom because we are all fans of a program. We are subservient to a thing. And people can enjoy it however they like. I've chosen to enjoy it by getting down and dirty with you know biographies of the of the personnel involved because I'm interested in that. Other people make cosplay to the you know you know using exactly the same thread or exactly the same materials to make you know as near as damn it perfect costumes some people make costumes that aren't as near as damn it but are just ones that are their takes on a particular thing as well some people write their own stories so you know we 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 some people have gone into science because of some vague prompt from the science of doctor with all we all express our joy of doctor in different ways um and the only where I don't have much patience with is when people use it to sort of belittle the way that other people enjoy it or to assume that their fandom is somehow better or greater than other people's because that immediately just takes the joy out of it, which is why I think instead of just sitting here and enjoying an episode of Doctor Who, I've had that needling away at me, which is a fault of mine because it shouldn't matter. Don't worry about what other people think. Enjoy what you enjoy. I'm going to enjoy, I, I mean, I enjoy, and that's what this podcast is about, is going into each story with the, with the intent and the mood to enjoy it. Um, but also, I know there's equally fun to be had watching Doctor Who and going, oh, I hate this bit. Um, and there's nothing, and that's fine too. I just, I, I just, uh, uh, I just, um, we, we, I'm recording this just after Paul McCartney has played Glastonbury and The Guardian have given it four star. And, you know, the nation has sort of gone, this guy's amazing. This is brilliant. I mean, this is everything that we could have possibly wanted. Oh, yeah. And of course, there's the odd person going, oh, I wish he'd sung that song. Uh, and and that's just that just makes you go, oh, God. But the, but the Guardian did such a Guardian thing and went, four stars. And you go, yeah, because you can have just one little niggle, aren't you, The Guardian? And, 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 and I think a few years ago that would have really annoyed me. But now you just, I would just go, of course you knocked a star off. Of course you did. <laughs> um, and I think the thing to do is to try to be amused by things that annoy you rather than be annoyed by them because it's much more fun being amused than it is being annoyed. But I'm saying that to myself because I obviously get annoyed and niggled by things, which is why I let them niggle me and then and then fixate upon them for now 49 minutes instead of just watching an episode of Doctor Who. Oh, well, this is what this is. You, you take me as you find me in the mood I'm in responding to the stimuli I am given. And the stimuli... And, 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 and this is what happened when episode three of The Seeds of Doom uh, touched Toby Haydoke's flesh. Um, I will speak to you next time when hopefully I haven't got another... Uh, yeah. Um, niggling little annoyance to exorcise, uh, which I always think is going to be, you know, oh, now I'm glad I've got that off my chest. And then you, can, you actually go... I didn't need to get that off my chest. It's so trivial. It doesn't really matter. Um, but maybe that was part of the process. I actually had a good out there. I ended it on the cliffhanger line and then um, added more at the end because I'm bad. Um, anyway, uh, I like the Seeds of Doom and everyone in it. Uh, and uh, if you don't, well, then you're very, very green. <laughs> there we go. That'll, that'll do. Thanks very much for listening to Happy Times and Places, which is presented by me, Toby Haydoke, and my special guest, Chris Chapman. Uh, this is a hastily convened, I think they'd call it a slash print, uh, closing titles uh, due to me being in bed with COVID and doing this on my iPhone. But nonetheless, thanks to patrons who include Ruben Herfindahl, Stephen Moffat, uh, Peter Burns, Chris Phone, Peter Harness, Ronald Hayden, Rob Leonard, Christopher Meredith, Richard Straw, Neil Tate, Nick Tedston, Andrew Wilson, Andrew Willis, Michael Williams, Rich Wiggins, Adam Westwood, Gary Wales, Apollo C. Vermouth, Olivia Hayden, C.M., Andrew Larson, Jeff Edwards, Steve Cuniff, Jace Mayo, 
Chris Williams and Aaron Gullias. The music is by Dave Gates and the artwork by Dylan Patterson. Yes, so uh, I don't need to do all the guff about becoming a patron. Um, yeah, I'm just, um, this was all ready on my edit to go. I just needed to record, <coughs> excuse me, the closing titles, uh, which I can't do in my recording studio, but I need to have something out for you this week. So I've done this with temporary titles that won't be present when this is released officially in six months' time but I think you get the gist of what they sound like and can probably live with these. I do hope so. Um, so I'm going to keep stuff coming out, but it's not going to probably all be of broadcast quality. Um, yeah, but I should still be able to, to, to chuck stuff out um, for you on a regular basis and then get back up to speed once uh, I'm allowed to start recording again, but that might not be for uh, 10 days or so before I'm allowed back in the studio, which is in the communal area of our house. And uh, so um, I can't do that because I need to quarantine from Chez. So um, thanks. So sorry that the seeds of doom has ended on that cliffhanger and uh, I will not be able to watch any of the rest of it uh, until uh, the other side of COVID. So, um, well, that's something to look forward to, isn't it, when life returns to normal. But, um, yes, from COVID towers in the spare room of Haydok, the Haydok abode, uh, wishing you all very well. And, um, yeah, thanks for putting up with these temporary bits of voiceover. Ta-ta. <laughs>